0: This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. Back here for another edition of the Banks of the Raritan Podcast. Greg Petuto here once again with Matt Forno. And Matt, we're coming off the first loss of the season for Rutgers. The first episode we have here where we're we're able to discuss a loss. And I got to say, the tone overall has been pretty positive from Rutgers fans. If you test the waters of Social media, if you talk to others, if you read content on the internet, it seems pretty positive because of the situation they were in, the team they were facing, and just certain things you wanted to see from Rutgers as a whole. Obviously, a 31-7 to loss at the big house in Ann Arbor to, to Michigan, a team that has national title aspirations. For me, I'm not going to take the, the tone of the overly positive Rutgers fan, but at the same time, I'm not going to be negative. Because a lot of things that I wanted to see, we saw. And again, the talent gap to me is just so wide that it's hard to get a fair judgment and really speak negatively about Rucker's performance. But at the same time, I'm not going nuts over it. I'm not, um, it it didn't really rejuvenate any belief in me different than what I felt from the first three games. And it didn't really take away anything that I was expecting. So I kind of came away from this game some good things some bad things but overall for me personally and I know you know you might have a different tone fans definitely have a different tone and that's the beauty of sports we get to hear all the opinions for me I'm kind of status quo and if I had to say positive or negative I think that's a pretty good thing coming away from a game against the number 2 team in the country
1: yeah I exactly the way what you just said at the end the number 2 team in the country Michigan's 4-0 there aren't I don't know how many undefeated teams left but they're Obviously, you have Georgia, you have Michigan, you have all these other teams. Uh, Michigan hasn't given much of a reason for them to show any doubt why they are, shouldn't be a college football playoff team. Clearly, they haven't played the best talent, and that includes Rutgers. However, I just I think one of the nicest things to take away from this game as a positive, despite it being a negative. And also I'm glad that we got the band-aid ripped off of Rutgers getting a loss because, you know, I was delusional. I, I, I predicted Rutgers could win this game, uh, which was obviously very wrong, but that's just me as a delusional, loyal, passionate fan. Uh, not going to apologize for that. However, uh, Rutgers did look competitive in this game, which is something I think a lot of people were so critical of Rutgers, even within the fan base and outside of the fan base was, they can't compete against these top-level teams. They're gonna. I don't know what's going to happen with conference realignment alignment if they're going to be playing these juggernauts in the Big Ten every year. Regardless, they needed to show some sort of improvement. Were they going to knock off the number two in the country? Clearly, I thought they could, which was wrong, but it wasn't going to happen. However, during that first half, they looked competitive, and you really take away that, uh, when we'll get into more of a breakdown of it, that that fourth down pick six, which, you know, it's very, it's a pick six, but, you know, it wasn't like a bad throw by Gavin, I would say like it wasn't like a errant throw however you take away that uh pick six Rutgers probably still loses the game but the the box score people that are looking in the newspaper have a certain different feel about it now again Rutgers did only lose by only lose by 24 but last year we didn't even score 24 points in the game and we lost by I don't even know almost 40 30 something points 35 points uh, and we didn't score any points in the second half. Rutgers looked competitive again. We didn't score. Any, we didn't score any points outside of the first drive of the game. But there was stuff that I felt positive about, and it was clearly we saw more. We saw more. We saw a different Rutgers offense, and I don't know if that's going to be the type of recipe we want to, to win games. You look at the box score. Uh, we we lost the time of possession. We didn't have the most first downs. They beat us in. They had. They beat us in every other category. We, we were They pounded us on the running game. Uh, but yeah, I think this is arguably the second or best team that Rutgers will play all season and it came on the road. So I'm glad this happened early and now we can kind of have a, I don't want to look ahead past Wagner. Obviously I think that's like one game where you can, but we're going to get into nitty gritty of if this team's going to win a bowl game, the wins are ahead of them coming up, but you know, we'll focus on Michigan for now, but I, overall, you know, you don't, it's a, it's a loss. I'm not going to take moral victories. I just was happy to see them be competitive despite the loss. Yeah, definitely no moral
0: victories, and I can't blame any Rutgers fan hoping for a win when you just you knew they weren't going to win this game. That was you know that was clear. Everybody in their heart of hearts knew they wouldn't win this game, but it was nice to see the big play on the first drive. It was nice to see them get a stop on the first drive, and the word competitive is something we obviously haven't been able to use for Rutgers in a lot of these games. And when you look at the, if you didn't watch this game and you look at the box score and you look at the final score you would say they weren't competitive here once again. And it, it, that's what it makes this game so interesting. Even in a loss, even in a, a lopsided loss, you could find interesting points about this game. And to me, it's that they competed really, really well on the defensive side of the ball in a tough situation against a strong rushing attack. And again, you look at the box score. Yeah, they gave up 200 yards rushing. They gave up 415 total yards. I mean, the defense only gave up 21 points, obviously seven off the pick six. Michigan had to work for the their points. They had to work to put drives together. I think there was only, you know, maybe two drives that I looked and I was like, all right, Michigan's, they've got control of this one here. You know, they're, they're beating up Rutgers on this drive. It wasn't happening the whole game. And then obviously offensively, they hit the big play and they kind of stall from there. So we know the, the question marks they have on offense and that reared its head. But it's clear that this team is very, very far ahead defensively. And that's going to keep them in games, and that's going to allow them to compete in some of these that you might expect to be lopsided.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't, I want to get this out of the way first. And um, I do think fans were right, were rightfully upset uh, online with some of the calls by the refs during the game. The refs are not the reason why Rutgers lost this game. Maybe yeah, they lost momentum. Maybe they lost the momentum early on. I, d- I really do think that. First penalty of the game by I think it was on Holland Pierce the hold that Kamanga had like a thirty yard run I really do think that was a ticky tack call yeah that uh, was I, momentum too because that was right after
0: Rutgers got the stop up seven yeah. nothing they broke a big run so momentum kind of stalled there
1: I feel as though that's a type of holding penalty you can call literally on every on any penalty especially ones that are uh, going to be you know more more out out outside zone type of plays that was disappointing. And I don't know what happens on that drive specifically if that doesn't get called. Maybe Rutgers scores, who knows. But there there were some, there was just, you know, and I, I don't want, I don't like having the uh, aluminum tin hat on, like, thinking everything's a conspiracy. Like, yeah, obviously the Big Ten wants to see Michigan, uh, their arguably their biggest brand, move ahead in, into the college football year, but the refs... We're not the reason Rutgers lost this game, however, I, Rutgers needs to not have five penalties for thirty yards, or they need they need they can't be they need to if they 're going to have penalties they need the other team to have more penalties I guess I want to say they they don 't have enough room they don 't have the talent gap where they're going to be able to make up those type of mistakes i don 't know how many explosive plays Rutgers is going to be able to have in third and long or second and long situations to make up for those mistakes so that was that was disappointing, obviously, that, that one penalty. I, I wasn't really sure of the – it didn't matter as a touchdown, but the pass interference on Max Melton uh, in the end zone, maybe I, I didn't re- really watch much of the highlights. I watched the game live. But like that, that one I thought was just like a good defense, just a better catch, better throw. But in any case, um, I also thought that that – I don't know, was it fourth down or third down? Like they didn't even review it. I, that was just strange. Yeah. There was – there was some strangeness on it, but again, not the reason Rutgers lost this game. Michigan's a better team. One thing that I, I was a little disappointed with, and I thought that I think I said this on the podcast last week, is I was expecting them to defend the quarterback run better because of what they had to do with Kyron Drones. JJ McCarthy picked up a lot of crucial second and longs, third and longs with his legs. I didn't like that. I was upset about that. I did find it, it did seem like. At times, Shaquan Loyal kind of got lost in no man's land in in the when they ran the zone read. So I know that we've talked highly about the safeties, but I think now we're kind of seeing where that inexperience, is, not necessarily inexperience, but they just have less experience than the guys who were there previously. Like Christian Izzy and I don't think, I mean, if you watch Monday Night Football, his name was probably the most said name last night. He was a great player. It's tough to replace a guy like that. I hope we can clean that up. Uh, and, you know, obviously don't want to look ahead to... Wisconsin, But if you watch Wisconsin's game against Purdue, Tanner Mordecai had two long rushing touchdowns. So got to clean that up. I was a little disappointed with that. But outside of that, again, I know we talked about it briefly. The defense did perform pretty well. There wasn't any, like, besides, they ran a couple trick plays. Michigan needed to empty the playbook early in the game to establish an offense, which I thought was encouraging. It's kind of embarrassing, in my opinion, for them to, to run a flea flicker so early in the game against a team like Rutgers, but they did. You know, take away the couple of those plays. They didn't have many thirty-yard plays. Maybe, maybe they. I don't even know if they did. So, I was encouraged by that. I hate when Rutgers just allows uh, a sixty-yard drive in three plays, and that didn't happen this game. So, I like that. Now, they did lose a time of possession battle, which is even worse. But still, there was lots, to, lots to take away positively. But allowing two hundred yards on the ground, I was, I wasn't too thrilled about. But a lot of that had to do with McCarthy with his legs. Yeah, Michigan's
0: still not right. It looks. It looks, and we, I don't know at what point we're gonna say. You know, maybe this is who they are this year. But there's something going on with Michigan. They don't look completely up to par that they have in previous years. Going back to the penalties for a second, that was something that I looked at coming into the game. And you look at the overall number five for thirty yards. It, you know, by Rutgers standards, standards it's not bad. It's been way worse. They came at pretty crucial times, though. You know, we got the false star penalties that we haven't seen. Obviously, the holding call was a big one. And, you know, Michigan had three penalties of their own. I think overall this game was called pretty well. So the two plays that, that I want to touch on is the one you mentioned, Matt. Obviously, the holding call was such a momentum killer because they got they scored the big touchdown. They got a three and out on the first possession for Michigan. And then they break off a big run. They're almost at midfield looking to kind of take control again. I don't think it was as blatant a miscall as Rutgers fans are saying. I think that it was one of those bang bang plays that could have went either way. You know, unfortunately, this didn't go the way of Rutgers. But Holland Pierce had the he did have the outside. He grabbed him a little. I personally thought he let go at the right time. I thought he let go at the what the time you're supposed to as a tackle. So if it were me, I w- I wouldn't have thrown that flag there. Obviously, the refs saw it differently. The other one was the the pickup of the flag on the taunting penalty from the from the Michigan um i forgot who the player was exactly but a player in the secondary where they got a pass break up gave a little shove late to one of the receivers and then did the the incomplete signal with his hands you the prob only problem i have with that is that they picked it up i don't like when refs throw a flag you clearly throw it for a reason but yeah. to be fair again we're not You know, to not look at things with Rutgers colored glasses. I did watch that live and then I saw the replay and I'm like, that's not a penalty. Like, I don't love that being called there. I don't love that being, you know, a personal foul call. The issue I have is if you throw a flag, you obviously saw something, you know, to get talked out of it or whatever happens in those ref huddles. I don't love that. You see it at all levels. You see it at the NFL all the time. You see it in college. So that was my only problem with it. I'm glad. In a way, I'm glad they picked it up because I don't think it was a penalty. But, I mean, you threw it. In my opinion, you got to honor your flags.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, th- that's never fun. And, and my point with the How and Pierce hold is like you're right; it's a bang bang play. I, I don't, that that penalty should have been called more frequently than that during that game, especially against Rutgers because they ran that play very often. Um, and then yeah, I I don't, I was watching it at, at a, a Bar in New Brunswick Olive Brand, so I it was there was a lot of stuff going on, but I didn't I thought that penalty was initially pass interference. I, I didn't even know it was possibly, uh, uh, un, whatever personal foul, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Picking up foul stinks. And that's never, it's never fun. But yeah, I, I, uh, the, the thing that I felt was good though, was they, and I, we mentioned this earlier, we talk about competing. They didn't let those penalties really kind of demoralize them. They may have stalled drives here and there, And also, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get into it a little bit. I was going to talk special teams for a second, but the, when we talk, when I talk about competing, yeah, they lost, but they competed the entire game. Like they, they fought for 60 minutes. In, in last year's game against Michigan, that did not, if that happened, the score isn't 52 17, whatever it was. Like they fought the entire game. They, they tried to make things work. You know, you make that, Jay Patel makes that field goal. Who knows what's happening? And also, that, that field goal, I thought from where I was watching it at the bar, I was like, oh, that, he made it. Everybody was cheering. It was just, it was so tough. You, you couldn't tell. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, and I also think that like it stinks that Jay Patel misses that field goal because, then I think it was that fourth down play call where we were in field goal field goal range. Maybe Shana was feeling like he he couldn't make it again on the first game. Young kid on the road in the big house. I would be nervous too, but you know I would still think that we can utilize Jay Patel in in very crucial situations. So I think that would have been a good opportunity for that. It's much easier saying that after the game. Uh, but another positive I, I think we could talk about is yeah when Rutgers let's see punts the ball. Oh, he only punted the ball three times. Okay, that seems that seems low. I guess well, we turn the ball over on downs a couple of times, but Flynn Appleby. I mean, how do you how do you go from back to back great punters? I mean, I, we haven't seen a lot of him, but he's getting the job done really well. He's doing he's yeah, he's a rocket. Yeah, I mean it's it's really encouraging to see that. Yeah, it says three punts for fifty two yards. That seems wrong, but I guess it's not. In any case um i i average I, if i had to guess i
0: know the yeah. first one went 75 yards that thing was a rocket and it just kept rolling i don't know let's see punts
1: yeah then, then whatever it's it's not, it's not oh this is michigan that's probably why either way it's it's good to know and this is i think a team you know that oh yeah he, he punted the ball three times his long was 75 that's that's, that's incredible yeah, that's that amazing one. talk about flipping the field now i do think Michigan scored on that drive. So great punt, but might, might have been all for nothing. In any case, uh, replacing Adam Korsak was a worry, I think, of many fans, but we haven't got, we haven't needed him that much. And I think this is a game where we would have seen a lot more three and outs, punts, punts, punts. And that wasn't the case. So I'm, I'm just happy with that. And, it's it's really unfortunate we go from arguably our toughest opponent to without question our easiest opponent back to back games because we might not see him punt the ball at all and if we do on Saturday that's almost like a failure so um, it's it's you have to remember this game because Wagner is going to make people feel crazy when we when we start talking about that later in the week but the the Michigan game I thought really gave a better clearer picture but also showed where Rut, what Rutgers needs to not do and that's they need to stick to what works, and right now when they're not able to control the clock and run the ball and keep the defense off the field, I thought Gavin played well, but we're, we're not a team that's going to be able to sustain drives, I think, through the air, and that's what we were trying to do in this game. Again, probably one of the tougher situations to do it, but offensively, you know, people people were questioning some of the play calls, and I think that was fair, so I know, I know we'll get into a crucial one in a little bit, but there could have been... The offense absolutely could have played better, but I thought the offensive line played per- very well in the pass protection game. Run blocking could have been better, but this is probably the toughest, if not the second toughest, front seven the team will play all year. So I thought the offensive line overall did an okay job in the run game. Not too great, but in the pass, pass protection game, really thought stood out. Yeah, the offensive line has been a,
0: a positive so far, and that's refreshing for Rutgers to see and Rutgers fans to hear, obviously, because of the question mark it's been in the past I know I wanted to see a little more from Gavin in this game, a little more from Kirk opening up the playbook. So I liked coming out with three straight passes on the first possession of the game. And obviously Christian Dremel is able to break off the big play, get a little excitement into Rutgers fans. You can't abandon the run with this team. I agree that's their identity. That's what they do. I think at points he leaned on it a little too much, in my personal opinion, because this is a Michigan team that is so strong up front. You weren't able to get going on the ground. I get Kyle Minunga just 27 yards on 11 carries. I mean, Gavin Wimsatt, even though he only ran for 28 yards, he was the best runner in this game for Rutgers. What able, what he's able to do with his legs and spaces, you know, it's, it could be dynamic at times. I would have liked to see a little more of the quick passing game, which Kirk showed sideline throws, different things like that. But again, open it up a little more. You know, I want to see screens. I want to see slants. The one to Dremel went for sixty nine yards. You know, we don't really see another one. You know, only maybe a, one or two more times throughout this game. I wanted to see Gavin kind of open it up and give him a chance. What, especially once this game got out of hand a little bit, you know, let him use his arm to try and do it. You weren't going to get any traction running the ball against this Michigan team. And again. We asked for screens all year. It's the fourth game. We finally get one. And it's just at the absolute worst time you could throw a screen. And, again, that's not on Gavin. It's not on the receiver. It was just an outrageous play by by the DB for Michigan. Mike Sanders still, I believe it was, who made that play. Just an awesome play. I didn't even know it was picked off when I watched it live until I saw him running. I had no idea until I saw it. I thought it was incomplete. So yep. just a great play by him, but that was probably – the worst that was the worst play call of the season that's that's the one time i've been a fan of kirk soraka but that's the one time i'm uh i'm very critical of his play calling and definitely that play specifically but over the course of the game like i said i want to see a little more passing
1: yeah that was just like we said we've i haven't i don't really want to see obviously screen passes to running backs can be great chunk plays can go for touchdowns uh they're, they're they can get catch the defense off guard if they're bringing like you think they're bringing pressure or whatnot but the we've been wanting to see... This, that specific play in particular, I've been wanting to see because we do have some quicker wide receivers. And I think that pass did go to Jaquay Jackson, who's probably our quickest wide receiver. Yeah, I believe and it, it just was. Stinks. I just don't think that's the fourth maybe you run that. I'm not exactly sure what the play call is, but when you have like three wide receivers to one side, one's that one that's far out two that are bunched together and you motion the guy in and you throw a quick pass. And it's almost like, it's almost like a quick toss that you're throwing to the wide receiver. And then you have two blockers that play. Okay. I could understand on fourth and two or on the goal line, but this was like a, this was a, a screen pass that would have needed to have developed and get people out there in protection. It just wasn't the right call. Now, it, it, it could not have gone worse for Rutgers, and I think that's a good thing because now we know, hey, let's not try to be pretty on crucial downs. Clearly, in if this was against Virginia Tech or Temple or Northwestern, it's fourth and two. Rutgers is going to run the ball. That was not the case for this game, unfortunately. But speaking about the running game, and I know he only touched the ball twice, but Aaron Young's first carry of the season, he looked great. He looked like... uh Again, it was only like, I don't know how many yards it was, 15 yards, but I was happy to see him on the field. He's always played well against Michigan, I've noticed. Uh, So I was happy he got a good carry. I don't know what's going to happen in the upcoming games, but you know... I want Mononga's Manung- earn the right to continue to run the ball, but again, I, I don't think the recipe for Rutgers is for Gavin to be the leading rusher in games that we need to win. It, he needs to be our leading passer, obviously, but and he needs to run the ball a couple of times. But And, he, and he's good. He's good with it. But I, I want to see him run the ball when it's designed pass play. I want to see him make, make plays with his feet that aren't designed runs. I think that's... We haven't seen that yet. And also... He didn't play poorly, I thought, in the passing game. Really, I, I was, I thought this was honestly his best passing performance. And that's without a running game. So I, if, if fans are questioning, I don't think, I mean, Greg, you correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you're, you're online just like me. I haven't, there haven't seen, maybe there were some, uh, people before Michigan, but I don't think there was much room for doubt for Gavin after this game. It's clear he's the best quarterback on the team. There's no question. And he's been playing tremendously among other Big Ten quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's important to realize he's still young. I think he's going to turn 20 soon, maybe next month. But, like, he's still a young kid, and I'm I'm very, very encouraged with the way that he's performed. And getting this Michigan game out of the way early, especially on the road, there's tougher games you're going to have obviously have to play. But I, I was just very encouraged with how he performed. And, again, getting the ball to multiple receivers, he completed... Fought, he completed passes to five different wide receivers, uh, one of which was Johnny Lang and the other four were wide receivers. So, you know, who knows if, if Chris Long was such an important part to the wide receiver room where we're not seeing a lot more slants because I feel like that's where he succeeded. But like you said, it's so funny as Rutgers fans that we're only asking for these quick, not exciting pass plays, slants, quick outs, quick screens. Like in in today's world of passing offense, you know, you have the Ohio States, Washington's, USC's, they're running down the field, they're stretching the field. We just want to see quick, almost like passes from the 70s completed in this game. And maybe, I I imagine we're going to see more of that as the season progresses, but again, Gavin, I thought played very well in this one.
0: Yeah, the the play calling for me is about, you know, what you have on the outside. And again, it's still a question mark, these receivers for Rutgers. You know, I think Jaquay Jackson has what it takes. Christian Drummle shown that he can make some plays. But, you know, for the most part, until we see it consistently, I'm tired of talking about, you know, one play or you know, oh, Drummond made a great play, that was awesome, or Jaquay Jackson last week, you know, he had the great, uh, against Temple, I should say, he had the great play down the sideline. I want to see a couple of these. I want to see somebody put together a consistent game. So until that happens, it's going to, for me, it's going to remain a question mark. And like you said with Gavin, I haven't seen much negative about him, and there shouldn't be. If you're a Rutgers fan and you're talking badly about this quarterback or giving up on him through four games after one loss, I mean, that's just irresponsible to be doing. First of all, he's, the again, the most talented player um, in the quarterback room he should have been the quarterback last year by rights he is this year he's finally getting a shot and people forget he has I believe three years of eligibility left I think two after this year if I'm not mistaken so he's going to be the quarterback moving forward and that's what you want if you're Rutgers you don't want to go into each year wondering who your quarterback's going to be or getting a, a quarterback battle in the spring and then into training camp that's not what you want you know he's shown that he could throw the ball he's got arm strength his accuracy will improve as he gets more time and the playbook opens up. He's shown that he could run the ball. To me, he still looks comfortable in this system, regardless of the score on Saturday. He still looks comfortable in Kirk Soraka's system. You know, to me, it was all about the penalties coming in. And again, 5 for 30 is not bad. I think they just came at bad times. And that was, again, crowd noise, first game on the road. Um, a couple of the false start penalties that we didn't see. And then obviously the one crucial holding call put them behind the sticks. So he wasn't in a lot of positions to succeed. But, no, this quarterback has what it takes, and I think he's just going to keep getting better. And, like I said, having a player that's going to be here a couple years, that should excite fans, not, you know, discourage them after one game.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the most underrated things or maybe correctly rated things coming out of this game was we ended up pretty healthy. You no, know, I don't. I don't know if anybody Absolutely. got banged up. I don't remember hearing about any injuries. I don't think I saw any players down on the field, like, at any point during the game. I'm sure guys are bruised up and recovering that's that's football but i don't think i saw anybody on the injury report which is great so if we can get the guys who are currently hurt like chris long or tyler needham uh, healthy and some other guys that's great that's great news because at some point something is gonna probably go against rutgers we're gonna face some sort of adversity outside of just losing games against michigan so keeping the team healthy is important i think gavin's healthy which is most important the running the running back room seems healthy, which is great. And also, like we mentioned it earlier, the the I would say that you know Penn State's front seven's great, Ohio State's front seven's great. I don't I don't know what to think of Iowa because of how bad their offense is. Um, but like Rutgers, I can't imagine. At this at this point in the year, this has to be this is without question the best team, top to bottom, that they've played. But I'm talking about the front seven because that's where Rutgers is going to win the game on both sides of the ball. Whether it's our front seven on defense or the other team's front seven with our offensive line blocking them, it would have been nicer to see them done better in the running game. However, the 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 tack the defensive tackles for. For Michigan, we're just constantly getting into the backfield, and you're you're not going to win games like that if the linebackers from Michigan don't have to do anything when the defensive linemen are doing all the work. So let's see what they can do uh, against Wagner. I imagine they get more pressure, but I felt as though the offensive line was pretty uh, consistent this game from a from who was playing starters wise, which is great. We're starting to see that come in, uh, develop and become a unit, a cohesive unit. But I, I really want to stress the I don't know Gavin I don't think Gavin got touched in the pocket. I don't I don't think that happened. I don't know if he threw away many passes and I don't think we designed plays where he was rolling out. A lot of this was in the pocket. Like I don't think we saw a lot of rollouts where you're getting him in space to give the offensive line time to kind of get in front of their blockers. He was doing it in the pocket, which I thought was tremendous. I don't know how many blitzes Michigan brought regardless. Yeah, I mean Michigan didn't have a sack in the game. That's pretty good. Right. And but like in previous years there's Michigan's front four is better than our offensive line. So they probably shouldn't in past years. They're, they're not blitzing because they don't need to, right. but Rutgers did a great, the offensive line did a great job protecting Gavin, which is what we're going to need to see for him to, if we want to see more passes, you're going to have to keep him off the grass. And I really thought they did a tremendous job and Gavin capitalized on it. He, he really looks poised and collective in the pocket. He and like I he think said, it looks comfortable. He looks comfortable. He looks good. He just, once he puts it together, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. We just haven't been able to see it. We're kind of still speculating. We've seen it in glimpses. We saw it a little bit last year. We saw it. we saw the passage of Quay Jackson. We just need to see it all in one game for fans to be like, okay, he's got it. And it has to be against a team not like Wagner, which is why the game on the road to Wisconsin is so important because that's a that's a capable team. I don't know. They they could very well win the West. That doesn't say a lot because of how terrible that division is, but. If if Gavin can t- pick off one of these games that we're going to be underdogs in, you never know uh, what what could happen. So I, I got a men's lacrosse update. Something about Premier Lacrosse, maybe a, a Rutgers lacrosse player did something in the the, the PLL. So shout out the lacrosse team. Sorry, I digress. However, um, it's gonna we're gonna need to see more from the wide receivers. We're gonna need to figure out who's the guy because I guess you could say Christian Dremel was a leading receiver, but him and Jaquay Jackson both had three receptions. We need to see a guy get, like, seven receptions for 130 yards consistently. And then I'll feel much more comfortable in the passing game. But for now, you know, they keep playing well. Uh, Shiano's got – I trust Shiano. This was a game that was already – this. we were were stacked up against the wall with Harbaugh back on the road at Michigan, a team that's, you know, relatively playing good football, just not at the elite level you would expect. But who is in college football right now? Who really – yes, Georgia is probably the the solidified number one team, but – it could be Michigan. It could be Ohio State. It could be Florida State. Like, this is a wacky year of college football, and I think that's the perfect place where you want Rutgers football to be because then they can capitalize on this just being a year where literally anything can happen. So that's why I think I was a little optimistic coming into this game, or foolishly optimistic, I should say. But, hey, uh, I I I feel great the way that this season has started despite the loss already. So let's let's see what the team can keep doing, but I think – defensively this obviously could have been a game where ruckers played better but again they they did they did well i think
0: yeah to me it's it's again it's all the same and i still peg indiana has to be a win and michigan state now in my opinion it's moved into the has to be a win category that team is they're they're falling apart they're showing it on the field they win those two games they're gonna get to six wins sorry wagner You're going to be a loss this weekend, and it's going to be a lopsided one. So those two would get him to six, and I don't blame Rutgers fans. We've also been seeing this, whether it's from you know our our writers at On the Banks, you know, within our our system, or you know, people outside on Twitter. We're seeing a little more hope when it comes to Iowa and Wisconsin specifically. You know, Rutgers, they're not going to beat Penn State. They're not going to beat um, Ohio State. And, you know, we haven't really even discussed Maryland yet because that's the last game of the season. There's so much that's going to happen between now and then. The Iowa game and the Wisconsin game are the ones that people are starting to key in on. I haven't yet, strictly for the fact that Iowa's defense is still elite, still one of the best in the country. And my big concern has been the Rutgers offense. So I'm not sure, you know, it's kind of who breaks through first there. Yep. You know, is it the bad, is it the really bad uh Iowa offense against the good Rutgers defense or is it you know the really good Iowa defense against Rutgers offense and when it comes to Wisconsin again road game Madison's a tough place to play I still think the talent gap is too wide Um, you know Braylon Allen it's a similar back to Blake Corum or you know kind of what Rutgers saw so I haven't bought myself into that one yet but listen six and six would be positive and I think there's two games left that they have to get wins in and and a chance to kind of open up the schedule uh, open up the playbook a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, uh, it it would, the one, I I know we're looking ahead, we're we're looking ahead, but this is just a question. You know, we've been saying Shiano needs to get a signature win. Would a win on the, in your opinion, would a win on the road in Madison be a signature win, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And that is what I think Rutgers, I think that's what Rutgers fans want, but more importantly, what Greg Shano needs. Again, I hate looking ahead. I know we're talking about Michigan on this game. You know, I was, again, foolishly optimistic, thinking this was going to be that game. You know, he wins this game. It doesn't matter what happens the rest of the year. They can lose out, miss a bowl game. doesn't matter. They did They did what they needed to do. They finally got that big uh, monkey off their bat, taking off a juggernaut in the Big Ten. But however... That, that would have been big for literally any team in the country. If they win at Michigan, that would have been like a, holy, best win of the year. It doesn't get better than that. So that's, we'll move that aside. That didn't happen, obviously. Uh, but, you know, you have, there's games on the schedule right now where I think Rutgers can get, can pull off a signature win. And going back to Iowa, it's going to be, which defense can score the most points? Because I don't know if either offense is going to be able to do it other than I mean, field how goal. How bad is Iowa? I mean, their it, offense is it, just so bad. It's not – I didn't watch – I couldn't watch the Penn State game because, I mean, even even if you were watching that as a Penn State fan, that couldn't have been fun to watch no. because you still had to watch Iowa. Regardless of how well Penn State played, you still had to watch Iowa play, which, again, I don't understand why fans or analysts really thought that Cade McNamara was going to be the guy to turn around uh, Iowa's offense. Like, that just never made any sense to me. But going back to Wisconsin – They had a two, just like so many teams in the Big Ten, including Rutgers, multiple running backs. What happens uh, on the road at Purdue? They lose Malusi, the Clemson transfer, who, you know, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to say Braylon Allen is not a good running back because he sure is. But Malusi gives them more of that dual threat option in the passing game. And I'm pretty sure based off the injury that I saw, I think he's done for the year and he's definitely not going to be playing against Rutgers. It was a, a leg injury, a lower, lower leg injury. I can't remember exactly what it was, but saw the replay. Wasn't pretty. You hate, you hate injuries. It stinks. Uh, but them him, them losing him is, is big. But one thing I didn't, I was, I'm worried about is, is the quarterback Tanner Mordecai, not because he's, you know, he's a good passer. He did well at SMU, but he, he, he was, he was mobile. He was very mobile and scored two rushing touchdowns. So if, if Rutgers isn't able to defend him like they weren't able to defend J.J. McCarthy, that game could easily get out of reach because that's just a team that's going to uh, lay on you, lean on you, wear away at you. Not sure how good their defense still is. It's not what it used to be. But again, it's going to be a game Rutgers needs to win the way that they, they've won the games that they've done. Run the ball, control the ball, uh, don't turn it over. So then that's tough to say. That's, like, that's exactly what Wisconsin wants to do as well. But there are winnable games on the schedule. Clearly, Michigan wasn't one of them. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know what, what, how, I don't know how to feel. Let's, let's just say Rutgers gets to six wins before Indiana. Like, I think it's a seven wins. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. That That's like winning the Super Bowl in my opinion. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. but it's, it's, it's not something we've felt in since almost in nine years, almost 10 years, 2014. So it's just a weird time. Um, uh, there's been a lot worse teams, I think in college football, but, uh, I mean, we have we were at the barrel not too long ago, and I just think it's nice knowing that isn't where Rutgers is anymore. Right now, at least. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but we aren't that bottom team in the Power Five. And also, I'm not sure Northwestern is the bottom team in the Power Five, taking taking care of business uh, at home against Minnesota. Like, it was the weirdest college football game. Indiana might be worse than Northwestern because they almost lost to Akron at home during homecoming. Right, they took them to overtime. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So... You know, it's just nice knowing Rutgers isn't in that situation, at least right now, but I don't think they will be by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not sold on the Wisconsin game, but I remember making my schedule and talking about it before the season started that, you know, we could be sitting here on October 21st. We haven't even gotten to Halloween yet, and Rutgers is entering a bye following the Michigan game, uh, Michigan State game, excuse me, or Indiana. Jeez, schedule, there's so many games coming up. Following the Indiana game, and they're 6-2 before the bye week before halloween they're already bowl qualified they're six and two and i was like i'm not ready to put ruckers there yet i'm not ready to feel like they can be sitting here at six and two and honestly i don't think the country's ready for that either because ruckers has been such a doormat they're not ready to admit that this team could win six of their first eight but when you look at the schedule you have that wisconsin game and then you have michigan state indiana back to back and you know a couple minutes ago i just said michigan state has is now into that Rutgers has to win that game category so if you're going by what I'm saying they have a chance to be six and two you know they they have a chance to qualify for a bowl you know third week of October and that's something that fans would take and I know it's going to be it would be tough to lose the last four of the season it really would be you know especially with this newfound hope that they can beat in Indiana uh, and Iowa or maybe a Wisconsin so it would be tough to not get that quote unquote statement win, signature win that Shiano needs. But in my opinion, six and six, you're bet you two games better than last year. You're back into a bowl. You're returning some key players next year, including your quarterback. I think that's a wildly successful season for Rutgers. Um and I'm ready to kind of say at this point, if they lose to Indiana, lose to Michigan State, it it's gonna be a huge disappointment. I think five and seven this year is looking like you know, it would be a disappointing finish for Rutgers.
1: Yeah, you can't start the year 3-0 for the third straight season and not get to a bowl game. like That That goes to show you that either one, you're out of conference schedules week, which it wasn't the strongest the last couple of years, but a lot better than other teams have played. Unfortunately, it looks like Virginia Tech just really is going to be a bottom five, power five yeah, team. Yeah. That's really unfortunate, uh, but... It doesn't matter because Rutgers won that game. I think in dominant fashion, just like the other two games. I think they could have done more against North or, Rut or against Northwestern, but first game of the year. Uh, I don't think they were trying to do too much. They were just in control of the game the entire time. There was never a doubt. And then, of course. Temple they took care of business again another a team that also isn't a, isn't as strong as we would like however Michigan played a lot worse teams th- during their first 3 games all at home just like us i don't know how they started the season four home games that that i feel like that's going to hurt them in the long run because what they only have three more four more maybe uh well, they, of course they go on the road to northwestern and then minnesota like come on what is this schedule know, unbelievable they don't play anybody until whole, I'm sorry, this isn't a Michigan podcast, but this this is the first couple of games for Michigan, all at home to start the season. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers. Then they're on the road at Nebraska, at Minnesota, home against Indiana, on the road to Michigan State, home against Purdue, and then they finally play at Penn State November 11th, which depending on how the, the the rankings shake out, could be a top four matchup, depending on what happens with the rankings in between now and then, because maybe, I'm not sure who's, maybe Florida State loses, maybe Georgia loses, who knows. Georgia, again, not a hard schedule, but that is just ridiculous. And, you know, I'm not saying Ohio State is much better, but they did just win on the road at, at North Notre Dame, and then in four weeks they play at, or they play Penn State, like, just Crazy schedule by Michigan, but you play the, you play the teams that are on your schedule. You know, they're, they're a good team, but I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. Unlike Rutgers, where the, I feel like they kind of have the schedule outside of the end of the year where they go Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, the tough games and the easy games at the beginning two thirds of the schedule are very friendly, in my opinion, because we don't go juggernaut, juggernaut. We go juggernaut, easy game, hard game, easy game, easy game, like. There's there's winnable games. The schedule is friendly, and hopefully, Rutgers can take advantage of it.
0: Switching gears for a second, while we have a couple minutes left, nearing the end of the podcast, got a couple pieces of basketball news. Obviously, the schedule came out a couple weeks ago. I believe last week, actually, maybe not even a couple weeks ago. Time is just it's a flat circle right now. You don't even know what day it is at this point during football season. But the schedule came out, and we got news yesterday from John Rothstein that Mawat M- M- Mag was clear for non-contact in practice. And that's just great news for Rutgers because you could really see the difference in the team once he suffered that injury last year. They were able to win the game, but the rest of the year you could tell the difference. And the reason the schedule coming out is so big this year compared to previous years is the non-conference, you know, Steve Peichel has had one of the worst since he's taken over really one of the worst non-conference slates over year after year and it's and it's hindered their progress it has last year in my opinion is the reason they were left out of the at the ncaa tournament they had they had some signature wins they had the accolades but the non-conference was just so bad it was near the worst in the country in Ken Palm, and they're doing what they can to to renovate that it's not perfect this year but when you look at you know the game against Princeton is going to bring plenty of notoriety to the state. They play Wake Forest. They play Seton Hall again. Um, you know a team like Georgetown, even though they're down, it's an imp- it's uh, better than it's been. So there's these games on the schedule that, and Mississippi State, of course. How could I forget that one? That might be the biggest one. There's games on the schedule that should carry some weight come March, and that's what Rutgers is looking for. But between that and Mawat M- M- Mag coming back, I mean, fans should start gearing up for basketball season.
1: Yeah, I, I, it, I just think about um, you know we've been talking football now for a, a month when uh, we've been thinking about it for more than a, more than two months or whatever. I, I maybe it's because of how bad Rutgers football has been the last couple of years, but Rutgers basketball is just it's it, Rutgers football has to be my like my favorite team of all of my teams that I'm a fan of, but Rutgers basketball. Any given game makes me be like, I, this is my favorite team. Like, I just love this team so much. And what's most important about Mawat Mag coming back is it is, not, as hard it is as hard as it was last season to replace your two returning scorers, Geo Baker and Ron Harper. I almost feel like it's you can get someone that scores a lot of points and can be a great offensive player. But replacing, what, the back-to-back Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, that is much, I, I think, a lot. That's what Rutgers needs to have this elite defense. And Mawat Mag, I don't know if he could be the Defensive Player of the Year just because of the type of – I don't think he – I don't. maybe he could, but I feel so much better about the defense knowing that if he's healthy come game one or come Big Ten, the start of Big Ten season, which all indications point that he will – i'm excited because he is a dog on the defensive side of the ball and he plays so hard it's probably why he got hurt he was moving too fast for his body so you put him with cliff i think Derek simpson could be great defensively i can't say i know too much about noah fernandez uh defensively oscar plumquist has played well defensively he's a big body um who else we got uh I don't – again, Gavin Griffiths, I'm sure if he committed to Paykel – I think anybody that comes to Paykel, Paykel isn't taking a shot unless he knows they can play defense. That's what keeps you on the bench at Rutgers or, like, doesn't get you most minutes is if you're not going to perform defensively. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And, like, I don't know the status with Jeremiah Williams. I think I saw that he pleaded guilty to whatever gambling charges. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I believe he was in the group that the team photo – uh, with that the team took. So I'm assuming that's a good sign, but yeah, I think what this is a Rutgers team that we probably have the most questions about, questions about only because I think we're going to see a bit of an identity change with this team. We're still going to be competitive on defense, but we're going to see a, I think a different offense and what this, this could be one of the most critical seasons for a single Rutgers basketball player being cliff cliff season. This could be a year where he gets onto the national national spotlight because it's easy to overlook him when you play in a conference that has Zach Eady, that has had Trace Jackson Davis, Luca Garza, these big guys that do so much. Cliff is a monster. If he can figure it out offensively, he's up there with any other big man in the country, in my opinion. Just be, and I think he probably is the most athletic big man in the country. I really wish we could see a matchup between him and Donovan Klingon in uh, from UConn. I think he's probably just like a better basketball player, but I would love to see those two going at it. Uh, but th- it should be an exciting year. I mean, it, we're we're what two month- about two months away from uh, the start of the season, and man, once that starts A up, it is less, just. I
0: believe. They're, I think uh, November sixth they open up. Wow. At-, at Princeton, and that's the first. Oh. I love the scheduling too. The first game of the season is that game against Princeton in yeah. Newark. I mean, fans are going to be at that game. I'm going to be at that game. Like it's just one of those exciting things. And you mentioned the identity change. This might be one of the teams I'm most excited to watch because of that in a weird way. Like, obviously, we came into past seasons with so much um, hope, so much potential with Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker, Caleb McConnell, all these guys. Paul McCahey, when he was still there, they bring in Cam Spencer last year. You know, cliffs around for all of it that I just spoke about. This is one of the years I might be most excited for because again, Cliff is back. Gavin Griffiths is going to make an impact to me. He's got to score. He's got to be a scorer for this team right away. You know, he's going to jump into the starting lineup and make an impact. You know, I expect 12, 13 points a game from him. You know, as a freshman, he just has that raw ability, and I expect speed. You know, Derek Simpson being back. I know Noah Fernandez again. I don't know too much about his game, especially defensively. Everything I've seen and everything I've read say- is saying he's a slasher. He could get to the basket. So that's exciting. This team might not be able to shoot as well, but I expect a run and gun style offense. And, and that's exciting for a Rutgers team because that's not what they've seen. Pair that with you know the defensive ability. I mean, this team has potential. And, you know, you mentioned Cliff again. Get in the post. Let's start seeing some touch. I, I've talked about it for years. He's he might be one of the most athletic players, regardless of position in the country, one of the most explosive players. He's a great rebounder, a shot blocker. You got to have some touch around the basket. He's not a guy that we could dump the ball in and expect him to get two on the block. That's what we need from him this year. And I I assume that's why he came back after testing the waters of the NBA. I assume somebody had to have told him that over the course of the NBA draft process. Listen, you got to be able to score the ball a little better. Maybe um, develop a bit of a a mid-range jump shot. So I'm also excited to see how his game kind of progresses.
1: Yeah, the I, it, did you say the Princeton game is in Newark? Is that is that correct? I, di- so, I
0: believe it's in Newark. The um, I'm going to check that. The Cure Arena or something along those lines. That's a
1: that's a game that needs to be played every single year. Like yeah, I, absolutely, I think that's a more relevant matchup than Seton Hall this. Not not that Seton Hall isn't great, but there's just more history between Rutgers and Princeton. Like you look at football, you look at basketball. I just think it's a I just think it's a more closely-knitted uh, ri- Not rivalry, just good for the state of New Jersey. I think there's every- – Princeton is – there's people from all over the country, obviously, that are – not. I don't want to say fans of Princeton, but went to Princeton, know of Princeton. No shot at Seton Hall. It's just a much smaller school. Uh, but with, with this game, I think this makes so much more sense to be played in Newark, even though it's Seton Hall's home venue, because it's a neutral site. It could be much more fun environment. You know, you go to the, and if they, if they open up the, uh, they don't open up the upper part, I think for games, that could be an they should absolutely do that for this one, because I think it would sell out. But I'm trying to see if uh, I I thought it was being played in Trenton, but I guess. Nope.
0: Yep, you're right, Trenton. Good call. Okay. The cure, the cure insurance arena in Trenton. I knew it was in the state. Obviously, they wouldn't take this game outside of New Jersey. But I just had the venue wrong.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Um. Oh, okay. It's not very big. It's like it's like the it's like the Jersey Mike's arena, 8600. So regardless, I love that though. Keep exactly. it keep it small. Yeah, that, keep that, that's it. It's like right, a I better guess. environment for this type of matchup. Smaller should be awesome. And, and yeah, this was a Princeton. Like, Oh, it's Princeton. Ivy League. Rutgers should win. Rutgers probably loses to Princeton if they play them last year, especially in the <laughs> tournament. They were a good team. Yeah. Uh, and I think they lost a couple guys. But regardless... They did. Honestly, their
0: big their big man went to the draft or was going yeah, to
1: the draft. Yeah. So it's... Oh, it was the Sovereign Bank Arena. And the Sun National. Okay. I was like, I, I don't know the cure, but it's changed names very frequently. Uh, last time it was the Sun National Bank uh, Center. Uh, yeah. So that's... I, I'm very happy to be talking Rutgers basketball because... I'm not going to be able to – I mean, I'll watch – every game Rutgers wins, whatever sport it is, I'll watch the game immediately after it. I'll watch the highlights. Then I'll watch the highlights before bed. And then I'll wake up in the morning and watch the highlights again. And I love doing that. I love doing that nothing more than with Rutgers basketball. I don't have the basketball IQ that I think I have with football. I'm not saying I'm some savant when it comes to football, but – it's tougher for me to break down plays or where, what this guy should be doing. But like I, I know when there's an impact player, someone's doing something right. So hopefully I can learn some more. Hopefully somebody in the comments section of our podcast can, can educate us. But it's going to be great talking Rutgers basketball. And hopefully we get to talk Rutgers basketball in conjunction with a bowl-eligible season for Rutgers football. So a lot of excitement ahead for Rutgers athletics.
0: There was a lot to be excited about when you, when you mentioned you know Rutgers potentially – having a chance to clinch a bowl game this season and return to the ncaa tournament obviously not something that has been done at in the same season in a long time in the same calendar year i should say athletic year in quite some time so things are trending up and and they're going to be trending up moving forward we're gonna we're gonna be back later in the week to talk wagner maybe talk other topics as well there's not going to be a ton to talk here but
1: Here's my idea. Obviously, I don't plan on breaking down Wagner. I don't. know. there's not like, not really actually, a ton to say. Well, we could talk about what we want to see for Rutgers, but I think this could be an interesting time for us to maybe we can ask people what if they have questions, we can talk about it then, and also kind of give our I don't want to say mid season, but quarter season review of the team. Maybe grade things out because let's I, I don't I'm not. It's gonna to be tough to talk about the is it the C is it the E Seahawks, the Wagner Seahawks,
0: they or Se-
1: Seahawks, yes. Seahawks. no disrespect to Wagner. It's just like the one guy that you would have talked about was that receiver that transferred. He's not on the team anymore. So it's like, what are we going to talk about? Like They won a game, I think, against, I don't know who they won this past week against, but it was like they missed, <laughs> they muffed like the extra point. So they won the game, which is great. Good for them. They're coming off a win. Maybe that they're motivated coming into Rutgers, but it's going to be something where we're going to have to, we're not going to be breaking down the nitty gritty of the the X's and O's of of Wagner football, I think.
0: Exactly. So, uh, you know, a team that they won last week, I think it was like their third or fourth win in the past five years. So something that uh, we're not going to get too deep into, but plenty to look at when it comes to Rutgers, a chance for us to look down the depth chart as well. Some guys we might see in the second half of this game, you know, different players, different schemes, different, you know, things that'll be shown during this game. And like Matt said, anything you want to hear talked about, anything you want to ask, you know, comment to us send us an email send us a dm however you could get in touch you know we'll be happy to talk about it so well that was the michigan tape we got basketball to look forward to you know football season's in full swing still got a whole slate left of that over the course of the year so a lot to look forward to in Rutgers athletics and we'll be here to discuss it moving forward so until friday everybody enjoy the rest of your week